Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the yarn truck podcast. We're Erica and Dave, a husband and wife mobile yarn shop owners, bringing you tales from the road, adventures in fiber arts with a little bit of the rest of life thrown in. This is episode 98, recorded the week of March 12th, 2020. Today's segments include What You Working On, Around Town PSA, Witty Knits, and Where's Nomads? Sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. So, Erica, what have you been working on this two weeks because we were doing Rover Indiana? <laughs> yeah, but um, so we took last week off the podcast because we had 10 days in a row of being out with the yarn truck um, for Roving Indiana, the yarn curl that had 11 participating shops this week or this year. Um, and then we had our 11th day, we had the wrap up meeting with all of the shops. Um, that participated. Uh, so we did our prize drawing and, and all of that jazz. Um, so it was fun, but it was very busy. Um, and so we didn't get a podcast out. Um, this week, I have been working, I'm back to working on the same two projects. Um, they are a different two projects. Oh, that's not true. I've actually done, I've done several new things. Um, I have been on a crocheting gigantic like poofs, like footstools or sit-upons or whatever you want to call them. Big giant, like weigh 20 pounds, um, crocheted things. I have completely finished one, um, and I'm, I'm halfway through another one. Um, I don't know, well, I know exactly why, um, but I got a wild hair and I've become obsessed with making these things. So the in we're just gonna end up with a room full of them sitting. No, I've only got one I'm giving away, and I already have it on the calendar. The day that I'm giving it away, I'm teaching a class on how to other people can make these, and it's going to go and live where I teach the class. Um, hint: it's recraft. Um, <laughs> get the pro- plug in for her. That's one minute and fifty seconds in. Yeah, it's a new record. Um. And then the second one I'm keeping here, and that's two. There's only going to be two of them or that I make because it hurts my hands to make, make <laughs> them very much. Anyway, so the inspiration for this was I had a friend um, and her mom had gone through her mom's fiber stash or yarn stash and cleared out things that she was no longer going to use and asked if I had a place um, that I could find a use for them. And so I went to get some. There were nine garbage bags and the vast majority of this stuff ended up, I packaged it up by, uh, so it was all like matching skeins of the same color and the same dye lot and the same yarn together and took all of those to recraft. But there were the random sort of odds and ends left at the end that were not full skeins that didn't have labels on with them. um, And a lot of them happened to be white colored. And so I decided what I was going to do with them because those are a hard sell at the secondhand crafting supply store. That's just most of these were acrylic based um, and small leftover balls of acrylic yarns with no labels um, and not all that much yardage are not all that tempting for other people to purchase. Um, So I decided rather than bring recraft stuff that I didn't think that they were going to be able to use, um, I went ahead and finger crocheted. That's what I've always called it. Um, when I was a little kid, it just means creating a crochet chain, but using your fingers instead of a crochet hook. Um, and so I grabbed seven skeins of this yarn, seven strands of yarn, and held them all next to each other. Um, and then I finger crocheted a chain of all seven of those strands together. And so if you think about the um, like the structure of a crochet chain, there's actually like three strands of yarn all beside each other. Um, in that chain. And so what you're effectively, what I was effectively doing was turning the seven strands of yarn into 21 strands of yarn, a, a rope of yarn that was 21 strands thick because seven strands times three strands of each of those seven is 21, seven times three, right? The math that's, is correct. That's correct. Okay. Um, high level math here. <laughs> and so I, I went through and I chose seven because I happened to have seven balls, like partial balls um, left over. Um, so it was a very sophisticated process of choosing the number seven. Um, and so I, I made a crochet chain of this. And so I ended up with this huge comical ball of yarn, like three times the size of a normal ball of yarn. Um, and so I'm like, what can I do with this? I don't like, I'm not one of those, like the blankets with the super thick yarn is just 
we have a lot of blankets in this house. We don't need more blankets. Um, and those are hard to wash and all the so things. So many blankets. And the kids um, get them all out and build forts. And yeah. they, um, they want to crawl underneath them and you hide under them. And I spend half an hour at the end of every day clearing up blankets. Yes, so for the sake of Dave's sanity, I did not want to make another blanket. But I thought some of the, like, I thought one of the, like, big footstool things would be fun. So, it turns out I did not have a crochet hook big enough to crochet 21 strands worth of yarn held together at once. Like, that's a really big crochet hook. So I thought, I can use my fingers to make a crochet chain. Is there any reason why I can't use my fingers to make a crochet stitch? And uh, no, there's not. And so I just used my fingers. There were no, there was no crochet hook involved in the making of the giant crochet poof. Um, and so I just did a, basically I made a, I made the world's largest hat. Um, so I started in the center and then I just like America the super. Also has a history of making oversized hats. I do, but this was much more comically. I think this hat diameter is about four feet around. I've never made a hat that large before. You did make one once that was so big when you wore it out of our and sneezed, it fell out of your eyes. Yes, I did sneeze and the hat fell out. Um, and they will never let me live it down. I was like 22. <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> so it was a long time ago. Um, but so I just like started at the top. Um, I started with a, uh, a magic loop um, and did 10 and then, then 10 double crochets around it and then a chain three and then two double crochets in each of the double crochets. So then there were 20. Um, and I just kept going until it was as big as I thought I wanted it to be. And then I was completely out of yarn um, because seven balls of yarn uh, held together into a bundle of 21 strands. Although the ball is comically large, the thing that I was making was also comically large. So when we went to Recraft to donate all of the bags of yarn that we had separated. We brought um, home nine trash bags. <laughs> we, no, I took. So I asked her if she would mind um, if I cleared out some of the random leftover half partial balls of white acrylic yarn um, to add to this. And then I offered um, if she thought that this would be a project that people of her customers might be interested in doing to help her clear out and use up even more of these balls of yarn. Um, obviously not all in white. Um, the only reason I picked white is because that was what I ha happened to have, um, then I would make it up and bring it back, leave it for her in the store and teach a class if that's what she wanted to do. And she was excited and I was excited. So I took home, I think there were 70 um, part, and some of these were tiny, like walnut-sized balls, um, but I think there were 70 of them. Uh, she has a lot of yarn, and um, and I did the same thing. Seven strands, crocheted, finger crocheted them, and when I would get to the end of one ball, I would just tie the next one onto it, um, and I made a much more comically large-sized ball of yarn, and I finished the project. Um, I ended up stuffing it with... I when the sh when the yarn truck was last at Recraft, um, Dave ran the yarn truck, and I went inside and was helping the uh, helping the owner Bethany sort out um, some things that were there. And there, she could see a very large number of bags, um, trash bags, Kroger bags, random bags, Ziploc bags, um, and like people bring in donated items in bags. And then she has a lot of them. Um, so I was sorting out and organizing the bags and a lot of the bags were broken. So they were no longer useful as bags. So I had put those all in a, a big trash bag or actually three big trash bags um, full of broken plastic bags. And we had a couple of bags of broken plastic bags that are yarn. Um, when we purchase yarn for the yarn truck, when it comes from the companies that we get it from, it comes in plastic bags. Um, and when you open those, they're like a film. They don't open real cleanly to still be functional as plastic bags a lot of the time. So we had a, a trash bag full of broken plastic bags. Um, this has been a big reason why we keep pushing for more hand dyes as well, because those don't come in those plastic bags. Um, when we order the yarns from our suppliers um, for our own hand dyes, those come to me in one giant plastic bag that's easy to reuse inside a giant cardboard box, and they're all just stacked in there. So there's a lot less plastic waste. Yep. Um, so I decided that I wanted to stuff my comically large um, like footstool with 
broken plastic bags. I had a bunch. I had like four trash bags full of these. Um, but I didn't want to just shove them inside because my children, um, who will be playing with this footstool until I go and take it back to teach class, would reach through. There's like gaps in between. If you've ever seen crochet, which I suspect you all have, um, there's, there's little gaps in there. They're not giant, like you couldn't put your whole hand through it. But my fingers, my children could certainly put their little baby like fingers through there and they would pull out the plastic bags. Plus the plastic bags were all different colors and the footstool is white. Um, and so I wanted to contain the plastic bags in something else um, that would be all the same color as the outside um, and prevent my children pulling out little tufts of plastic bags. That's, that's not say children, one of the children. <laughs> Poppy would do it too. They would both do it. They're two and four and they both like to do things that they're not supposed to. Um, Rowan has got into a stage of bringing new things, it's, which is very generous of him, but it will always be something you didn't want him to have. A chandelier. The child brought me a chandelier yesterday. A fully functional, weight as much as him, covered in crystals chandelier that we had not had a chance to hang up yet. He thought it was day clothes and he wanted to wear it. <laughs> the end um anyway that is unrelated to the crafting project that i was doing i didn't make the chandelier um the so i had some fabric that i had decided that i no longer needed or wanted i had used the amount of it that i needed um and we don't really do white in this house like we're just we're not tidy enough everything gets stained i don't like white clothes i'm just not a good enough grown-up for white things um, so I happened to have some white fabric and what I did is I had this thing is very very large I had two sheets of white fabric that had not been cut yet that were big rectangles and so I just I didn't cut anything I just stitched around three sides of them like they had weird shapes cut out of the other side the two pieces didn't match exactly didn't matter at all um, stitched around three sides of them shoved that whole like very unofficial pillowcase looking thing into the giant footstool before I had completely closed it off at the top um, as I was decreasing back down and shoved like five trash bags full of broken plastic bags inside of it. Um, and then I just folded, like kind of wadded up the, um, the unstitched part of that giant unofficial pillowcase. Um, folded it under so that no raw edges were peeking out um, and finished crocheting just the last like round or two with everything inside it and it was done so it's all sort of recycled upcycled materials that weren't really going to be usable for other crafting projects um, and I was very happy with how it looked um, and the picture is up on our Facebook and Instagram and you should follow us there if you haven't because I put up pictures of all the weird things I do. And if you want to take that class with us, it's going to be at April 7th from 5 till 7 p.m. at Recraft. Yep. Um, there will be a small nominal fee in the 5 to $10 range, but if you look on Etsy to buy these things new, they're like $100. Um, and it will include all of your materials. Um, and I, I told Dave there would only be one. Um, I, I may need to make another one that's all blues and greens because those mm -hmm. are the colors that I really like. Um, mm -hmm. One for, one for each room is what I meant. One for each floor of our house. Does that include the basement? No. <laughs> um, and that is the majority of what I have been working on. I do have two knitting projects Erica's going. Erica's been feverishly working on this. Like she even bought the massive ball of yarn out on the truck on Friday. I did. <laughs> Um, so I am working on two more sensibly sized knitting projects um, with yarn that we actually sell. Um, and that's the problem when you bring things that you don't have is people want them, but you, you don't have them to sell to them. Um, but so I'm, I've gone back to working on the sweater for Dave um, that I started. It's with LRA Classic Superwash. I'm doing it in kind of a mid gray color. Um, and I have it's a top down raglan. Um, and it is to replace the sweater of his that I made him 10 years ago that I'm sick of mending. I've mended it probably 30 plus times and he wore it out in the garden and got it snagged in the raspberry brambles and now it needs mending in like 600 more places and I'm just over it. Um, so this sweater will be new um, for him for next year, um, for the cold season next year. It will not be done in time for this year. 
Um, but it's a top-down raglan. It does fit because he has been able to try it on. I'm probably four inches down past where I divided the sleeves off, so I have another couple of inches of the body left to do and then the sleeves. Um, but it will be done in time for the cold weather next year. Um, and then I'm or working... Or you can just find it off right now and I'd have a nice mankini for the summer. There you go. Out of wool. Um... <laughs> And um, I've also been working, I don't remember if I talked about it last time, I started a new project that is brioche. Um, it is a an existing pattern of ours that somehow is not on Ravelry. Um, I made two patterns with this multicolored brioche, a hat and a scarf. The hat pattern is up on Ravelry. This was years ago. Somehow the scarf pattern did not manage to get up on Ravelry. Um, so when I finish with this project, it will be a brand new pattern to all of you, even though it has been done for years. Um, but I'm using our yarn firework, which is a fingering weight uh, merino with a little bit of sparkle, the Stellina in it. Um, and it's working up really fun. I like the it. It's really like pretty. Brioche. The yarn is way but nicer than the yarn used for the original pattern. Yeah. Um, I really like brioche. This is just a super basic two-color brioche. I think it's easier to work brioche in two colors because you can clearly see what you're doing and which strand of yarn you're supposed to be using. Um, it's one of those like addicting, oh, I just want to do just a little bit more to see how it, see how it goes. Um, we will eventually be releasing this as a kit and we are working on setting up some classes for it as well. Uh, so I am excited for that. Um, and I'm also doing a weaving project, but I will wait until I'm a little bit further along to talk about it. And I will turn it over to Dave. What have you been working on? Well, I have been working on um, being out on the truck a lot for Rover Indiana. Um, so mostly when we're at, when we have truck stops, it's been Erica, but there's been a lot of local ones. Um, and now that I can drive, I can uh, Erica. Woohoo! I will never get sick of of the fact that that's true. Now Erica will uh, go and uh, drive the truck over, and then I'll come along with the car, and we'll switch out. She'll take the kids out to do something while I'm working on the truck. So it's been a lot of those. There's been days where um, our, my in-laws have been able to watch the truck, uh, watch the kids as well. So I've been on the truck, so I've been doing more of that. Um, I've been hastily making some, um, trying to make some fast vegetarian and vegan meals. Um, I made some uh, TVP chili um, last night. That's you know, textured yeah? vegetable protein. Yeah. It's kind of sort of like dehydrated tofu that you rehydrate. Um, which is pretty good. It was a slightly odd color. Um, it was a weird, the color <laughs> freaked me out a little bit. He threw in some beets that needed using, which was a wonderful use of beets. Dave does not like beets. So if you put it in something else that is strongly flavored, he will eat them. And chili's supposed to be red, so you wouldn't think that it would matter. This was an unnatural red for chili. Yeah, it was a, like a lipstick kind of purple. Yeah, kind of it was color. weird. Um, but that tasted really good. Um, my recommendation for you, if you're going to dive into doing more um, cooking with things like textured vegetable protein, put in more seasoning than you think you're going to, and then double it. Um, <laughs> most of these meat substitutes don't really have a lot of flavor, which is a bonus to them. Like, they don't make things taste off. But they also don't have that kind of deep, meaty, kind of umami flavor that you want, kind of that savory grunts to the dish. So you have to add something in. That savory grunts? That savory grunts. <laughs> okay. That's probably going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> so you need to put a bunch more seasoning there to really give it that um, extra punch of flavor. Is that a better phrasing? Um, so one of my favorite things to get is the nutritional yeast um, that it's kind of looks like fish food would you say yeah a little bit it's kind of sort of yellowish flakes um, that has an incredibly savory kind of meaty flavor so I put a bunch of that in always put in more spices than you think you're going to need and then a really good thing to add is soy sauce um, if you're going to be doing this, get low sodium soy sauce um, or cut down the amount of stock or other salt you put in just so you don't make it too salty. But those will add that savory flavor back in. So let's And just I like miso too. I don't think Dave cooks with miso as much as I do. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't really used the miso very much. Okay. Um, but yeah, 
And just to clarify, we're not vegetarian or vegan. Um, we just are aware of the environmental impact of, of producing a lot of those animal products. Um, and so we are making the choice to do less of that. Um, and when we do get uh, meat especially, but trying to be cheese and dairy as well, um, we work on finding local farms to support um, with things like that that are raising animals a little bit more um, sort of off the off the feedlots um, and in a little bit more environmentally sustainable way. Yeah, if you can find uh, meat and dairy that is pasture-raised, that is way, way better than anything else um, if you're going to eat meat. Just the amount of carbon that you're using to produce these corn and soy that they feed animals on feedlots and the amount of water and the amount of land is massive. Um, it's sustained pasture, grassland that's um, planted in the long term. It's actually a really good carbon sink as those grasses develop deep root systems that actually starts to sequester some carbon away. Um, and they're self-fertilizing because the cows are pooping on them all the time. And you're supporting local small businesses, which is always which a good thing. we are talking about in a little bit. Um, Around the Dye Studio, I haven't really been working on it this week, but I have a new summer yarn that will be coming out soon. So we are starting to work out how we're going to be dyeing this. We did a yarn tasting during the yarn crawl, uh, where people got to test this out on the Base Cup Rave reviews. It's a cotton and rayon blend. Um, so it's a sport weight, it's got a little tiny bit of texture to it, and it's really, really shiny. So I have some cool ideas here. I think you're doing semi-solids for the summer. Um, and there's already some pattern ideas that people have suggested that we could do with it. So I'm really looking forward to getting that going. And then finally, in my miniatures painting studio, I am still revving up for Adepticon because it hasn't officially been cancelled yet. But we'll see in the next few days if I have to get my deadlines all finished. Um, but I am getting on with doing my last couple of commissions there and working on my own work. I just finished my uh, basis for my army last night and I was really pleased with it. Um, so I have been cracking all kinds of things. Okay, why don't you take us with the segue from a few minutes ago into the Around Town PSA um, that you wanted to do, Dave? Okay, so we're probably all fed up already about coronavirus in the news. We're all, we're all done with it. It's, it's going to be around for a little while. We are going to be doing some online sales. I'm going to talk about those a little bit at the end of the program today. But support your small businesses. This is important right now. We as a small business are lucky that the way that our business works, we are able to sustain ourselves a little bit longer. But there are craft businesses out there. There are small local grocery stores all kinds of places who are seeing their traffic cut off by a huge amount right now, especially with the spring craft vendor season coming up. This is a time of year where a lot of those businesses will make a lot of their money for the year. All of these shows are being canceled. Across the country, we're hearing about large fiber festivals being canceled, big craft shows being canceled or postponed until the fall. These people need your help now to keep their businesses afloat and to help their lifestyles. And we're not uh, we're not saying that protecting public health is not important and that these shows should not have been canceled. We're solely focused on the idea that since they have been, um, that the businesses that you like and that you you have come to rely on really need you really need to rely on you um and so there are a lot of things that you can do virtually there are a lot of things that you can do over the phone um there are a lot of the things that you can do in terms of promoting people on social media um to your friends and family that that can really make a big difference to these artists so there's a there's a few things you can do to start with Firstly, now, if you are in an area that's not really affected by the virus, go now, stock up on some things. If you, are going to, if you are going to buy a sweater's worth of yarn in a couple of months, think about going in and getting it now before your, your local yarn store has to close down if there's quarantines in your area. If you love getting gifts for people and you have a few birthdays coming up, go to that local store now, pick up a few things. 
This will really help those stores out and give them a little bit of a buffer of cash if they have to close. And if you are um, are in an area that is recommending, uh, what do they call it, social distancing, or if that's just something that is important to you to do right now, you can do a lot of this over the phone. Even if your local yarn shop does not have an online um, sales portal, and a lot of them do, um, you, especially if it's someplace you've gone before and you know the kind of stock that they have, call them up from inside your house. Um, call them up, ask them what they have. A lot of them would be more than happy to, if you guys agree on a certain yarn that you're interested in, Take they would be more than happy to take a picture of the yarn for you and send it to you so that you can choose a color and an amount. You can pay for it over the phone, um, even if they don't have online things set up. And then you can drive there in your car and, and just walk up and pick up the bag of yarn that has already been paid for. Um, that would be a great way to still maintain your social distancing, but still be able to support your um, your local store, even if they don't do a lot of online sales, because a lot of small brick and mortar establishments don't. Um, running an online business successfully is a full-time job, and running a brick and mortar store is a full-time job, and a lot of these small businesses don't have two full-time jobs worth of um, income to be able to pay to, to do people to do, and so they can only do one. Um, so there are definitely ways to still practice social distancing um, or self-quarantine and still support um, brick-and-mortar businesses that do not have an online presence. So think about those sometimes, too. So that kind of skips onto my second point of you can set up things in a way where you do not need to really be out of your house for very long. Make sure that when you're going to your local yarn store or if you're going to a craft business or if you're going to a local food business, make sure you go with a list of items that you want or a list of patterns, um, a list of ideas and have really thought about that before you leave your house. Um, you will be out for less time, you'll be in that store um, for less time um, and that, that really helps to kind of work through all of that, kind of trying to remain socially distant, minimal amount of, of contact with other people. Uh, so yeah, call ahead, make a list, make sure you know what you're going in for will really help. Wash your hands before you go in, don't touch your face, wash your hands as soon as you get home. Um, my next suggestion would be, go online. Um, now there's lots of different ways of going online. Firstly, think about Facebook and Instagram, um, other social media platforms. If a store that you like or a brand that you like that's small and local has a social media presence, share the crap out of their stuff right now. Show people how much you love their items. Um, if they have an online store, share that. Um, show people how much you love these local items. And especially if that, that store has something that people might want during this crisis, like, I don't know, ecologically sourced soap and toilet paper <laughs> um, but also things like uh, craft kits um, that they might want something to do if they're going to be at home more now is the time to really do your part and, and share this information to people if you love these places and want them to stay around Share it. You're, you're the best marketing tool. Um, and sharing, tool. if you're not as familiar with algorithms on social media, sharing someone's post. So our post, for instance, because I happen to have a lot of good data about the effects that this has on, on our business. Um, if we make a post that you think is interesting um, on social media, Facebook or Instagram, and mostly Facebook, Instagram sharing is a bit different. Um, but if we make a post that you like, if you like that post, so click the like button or the love button or whatever, um, that is going to tell the Facebook algorithm that that post is worthwhile and Facebook is going to show that post to more people because you've told the Facebook algorithm that that post is worthwhile. If you comment on the post, Facebook thinks it's even better and will show it to even more people. So it doesn't have to be a thought-provoking comment. It can be like a heart emoji in the comment and that's it. It can be the word yes and that's it. It doesn't have to be like a dissertation on what is wonderful and great about it. It can be something super simple. Um, and if you share that post, Facebook goes nuts. The algorithm thinks that this is the best post ever on planet Earth and shows it to a million people. 
not actually a million, but a way higher percentage of people. So sharing it on social media, sharing a post from a small local business um, is not just showing your friends. You may think, well, I don't have any friends that knit. What what good can that do? Um, it's not just that it's showing it to your friends. It's that Facebook, you're telling the Facebook algorithm that the thing that that the small local business has said is worthwhile. And so Facebook will actually show it to more of that business's followers because Facebook now thinks that it is more worthwhile. So we have 5,000, 6,000 Facebook followers. About 5,000. If I put up a post and no one interacts with it, nobody likes it or shares it or comments on it, absolutely nothing, Facebook will show it to about 150 people of the 5,000 plus fans that we have. If we get one like, it will show it to 100 more people. If we get shares and comments, suddenly it will show it to 1,000 people. Um, 1,500 people. David's shaking his head no. No, I'm not shaking my head. I'm just looking at you. Okay. Um, I'm like, I do understand this. I'm the one who does it all. Um, So it's not necessarily that you sharing someone's post is going to show it to a lot of useful people in your friends, although it might. Um, but it's telling Facebook to show it more of that to more of that business's fans, um, which is really important. Lastly, shop online, shop online sensibly. Um, everyone's going to be at home. Everyone buys things. If you're going to be at home and you're bored and you want some craft supplies, you're probably going to be shopping online. Don't go to the big places first. Um, Amazon doesn't need your money right now. Yeah. Your local indie dyer does. So go and check them out. If you know a an indie dyer but you don't know their website, Google will be able to find them. It's not that hard. If you have looked and seen some things you like on Etsy, you can shop more sensibly. Etsy is great, but it charges artists a lot higher fees than going to their own websites do. And often to compensate for that, Artists and crafters will have their items for sale at a higher price on Etsy than they do elsewhere. It's just an accepted thing in the industry that if it's on your own website, it's going to be cheaper than it is on Etsy. So go find them on Etsy, then go and shop on their own website. They're going to appreciate the traffic. You're likely to go back there when you see a wide selection of things that they put on a a larger platform, and they're going to make more money off it. Also, um, you'll be able to get onto their newsletter easier see what's coming up with their new releases. If you if there are brands that you like to to look at and you're not in the market for anything right now, but think you might be in a month or so, go down and sign up on everybody's newsletters. And when you do that, when the newsletters come through, even if you're not interested in seeing those items right now, pop that newsletter open before you delete it. Um, it's, as, again, a simple thing that really helps small businesses. If people are looking through the newsletters, even if they're just opening them before and scrolling down a little bit before they delete them, that means that algorithms are less likely to mark those newsletters as spam, and they're going to meet more people who are actually interested um, in reading them. So and that's a lot of small thing that you can do. A lot of people's newsletters are, especially small indie um, indie people, the newsletters are interesting. There's content there. It's almost like the new blog post. Um, so it's not just like picture by, picture by, picture by. It's you're, if you're stuck at home and bored and you like listening to podcasts about crafting, you might actually enjoy reading some of the, um, of the content that's in there. So it's more things to do. Yeah, our newsletter has not only where we're going to be, it has um, online sales and stuff, but it also shows you what we're doing in the studio. And it has a big section that's our podcast show notes as well. So if you're not on our newsletter, sign up. Um, if you're not on your favorite Indie Lions newsletter or haven't visited their website yet because you always see them at a show, go sign up. Go look now. This is, this is the end of the public service announcement, but look after your local businesses. Look after the, the people who are making crafts in your communities. They need you right now. They're going to have a, a tough spring. Um, and go to them before you go elsewhere. Yep. And we never tell you to buy things. That's not that's not what we do. So we're not telling you to buy stuff we don't need. We're telling you if you are going to buy things, think about where you're buying them from right now more than normal. Don't buy more stuff. Just buy the stuff you are going to from the same people as you are going to at a show. That's all you need to do. They just need to make the same money as they would have done in the spring. Okay, Erica. So out of that kind of depressing public service announcement, what have you been whittling missing this week? 
This week, I have been working on pairing pattern recommendations with yarns. And so I thought I would talk through how I do that. Um, we are working, um, related to what we were just talking about, Hendricks County, um, the county that we live in, um, has had confirmed cases of the COVID-19 virus. If you're listening to this like six years from now, you may have no idea what we're talking about, um, but let's hope. Um, uh, but uh, meaning it doesn't become a super serious thing that people remember forever. Um, but there have been confirmed cases in Hendricks County where we are um, and the Avon school system, which is the next town over from us, the entire school system has shut for two weeks for a sort of self-quarantine um, period of time. Um, so our daughter is out of preschool because she attends in um, in a, pre, a co-op preschool that's that follows the same rules as the Avon uh, School Corporation. Um, and so we are making the choice not to cancel. We don't have any big events where there are large groups of people. So we do not plan to cancel any of our stops. Um, although please do not come along if you are feeling ill. Um, but uh, we are going to be encouraging um, sort of doing some virtual crafting. Um, so we are going to be doing some discounts on some of our patterns and yarns so that you can have more things to do inside your house. Um, and we are also going to be introducing a virtual crafting community that we're kind of excited about. So, um, and if you are hearing sort of snuffling noses and coughing, Dave and I are both fine and have not been exposed to any situation that would have resulted in us getting the COVID-19 virus. We just have two toddlers that live in our house and we have been sick for months. Um, we both definitely have symptoms that yeah. are not consistent with COVID-19. We just have colds. We have lingering coughs and, and colds from way before this virus even reached the US. So um, those are going away, but you might hear a little tickle in the background. Um, we're not contagious, don't worry. Especially not through the mics. <laughs> um, we might want to go splatter shields though. Mine's looking a little bit speckly. <laughs> um, so, as part of that, we are um, going to be releasing some free patterns and some discounts on some yarns um, so that you have something to do in your house if you do choose to stay home a little bit more than normal. Um, and so what I did was I listed our seven um, yarn lines of our hand dye yarns. And then I was scrolling through Ravelry. I have 123 published patterns on Ravelry. Um, and I was trying to match, okay, if we're going to do a pattern giveaway and then a discount on the yarn, um, I want to choose good pairings um, for that. And so I was just wanted to talk through how to make those good pairings. Um, the first thing that I always think is a good idea, um, anytime you're thinking about matching a yarn to a project for any reason, look at the yarn weight. How thick is your yarn? Is it the same thickness that the pattern recommends? So that was the first thing that I did as I was going through, scrolling through the patterns. I was thinking, is this the thickness for the yarn that I'm trying to match it with? And all of them I did match except um, for one of them. One one of the patterns are our super chunky yarn um feast it's a really big it's not just a regular chunky it's a super chunky it recommends like a 13 to a 15 um, us needle size we only have one pattern um, i've only ever done one pattern that is um that uses a yarn that's that thick um and i've already done that pattern in this yarn combo so we wanted to give people new things to be inspired by um so i actually chose a pattern that was for still a chunky yarn but a less chunky yarn so it recommended a size 10 and a half needle um with it um and but it's for a sort of a cowl kind of a project um, where the exact size of the finished piece is doesn't matter. It's okay if it's a little bit bigger or a little bit smaller, and it's kind of a knit until you run out of yarn kind of a piece. Um, and so this yarn is going to work for that anyways. So first rule, find a yarn that is the same thickness as the pattern. Um, if you choose to break that rule, make sure that you're understanding what effects that's going to have. So using a yarn that is thicker than the pattern called for is going to make your project larger. Um, and it's also going to mean to get the same size, you're going to need more yardage generally um, because your fabric is going to be thicker, which is going to take up more yarn. Um, the second thing to think about is color and sort of dye technique. 
Um, some patterns are well suited, like a complicated lace or a complicated cable pattern is going to be better suited for a solid kind of color or a um, like a kettle dyed uh, color dye technique. So less about the actual color, like it's not white yarn versus black yarn kind of color, but more about the technique that was used. Is this a wild and crazy um, dye technique? Is this a speckly dye technique? Is this a heavily variegated? Is this a kettle dye? Is this a solid? Um, so I chose for um, for instance, the yarn that I'm going to, or the pattern that I'm using for Twisted Branch, which is our worsted weight wool, um, it's got a bit of a barber pole effect to it, but they're kettle dyed and they're going to read as a semi-solid, so they're not wild and crazy colors. Um, I chose the project Cables on the Move which is a cable with a drop stitch and a little cowl. Um, and I think the not so wild and crazy uh, color dye technique is going to show that pattern off well. Um, so that's why I paired those two together. Um, and the pattern used a worsted weight wool. Um, and so the thinking through how, so then, then there's um, a kind of the opposite end of that. Um, the panda stomp, the, our Panda Stomp yarn does have wild and crazy color combos, especially right now. We've just released our new, um, like new for spring dyed version of it. Um, and that does have wild and crazy colors. I did a half pie shawl called Addict Against Pie um, that used a mostly solid color yarn and striped that with a wild and crazy dyed colored yarn. And so that is the pattern that I'm recommending um, for the Panda Stomp. Um, so that those would look really cool in the two different kinds of rainbow yarn. Oh, I think that would be way too busy. Nope, too much, too much. Um, Dave and I, Dave, although Dave and I work together and have worked together for almost 10 years, Dave and I don't actually do a lot of work together. Dave does the dyeing and I do the patterns. Um, and so we uh, are co working actually could use some work because we don't do it a lot to practice. Um, anyway, so those are kind of the three three things that I'm going to tell you anytime you're trying to match a yarn to a pattern. Same thickness of yarn, same general dye technique, style, whatever you want to call that. Is it subtle? Is it wild and crazy? Is it somewhere in between? Is it self-striping? Um, and then the last one is going to be material in terms of fiber content. What is your yarn actually made from? And to me, I put these in order of importance. Um, so to me, this is the least important, but could, could be worth thinking about um, in that generally animal fibers are going to act fairly similar to animal fibers. So your wools, your alpacas, um, your camels, your llamas, anything that comes from an animal um, is generally going to act similarly in terms of how does it drape, how does it wash, how does it stretch, does it snap back into shape. Those characteristics are going to be fairly similar to each other. There is a variation. So alpaca tends to grow more than, um, or alpaca and llama tend to grow more than wolves. Um, this doesn't tend to be an issue unless you're doing a fitted garment. Um, yeah, so there is some subtle variation within that category, um, but in general, if your pattern calls for a wool, you can use an alpaca and you're going to get a similar, it's going to drape similarly, It's those things are going to generally work fairly well together. The plant fibers are generally going to work fairly similar to the plant fibers. So if your pattern calls for cotton and you use a bamboo, it's probably going to work okay. Again, there's subtle variations within that category. Bamboo tends to grow more than cotton does. Um, linen tends to grow less. Um, but generally, those those fiber types are going to behave similarly to each other. And then the synthetics, the, um, the sort of human-made fibers, are going to behave fairly similar to the other ones. Um, so your... Uh, why am I blanking? Your polyester, your acrylic, your... Um, polyamide is one that I'm seeing on, on things a lot. Your nylons, those are going to behave fairly similar to each other. Um, so it's worth thinking about a little bit, um, but it's that's less important than the other two. Um, the the biggest sort of mistake that I had I have 
uh, done with fiber content mismatch is I made a sweater that um, the pattern called for 100% wool. I followed the pattern exactly with 100% cotton. Um, it, it looked great when I put it on. It was perfect. I loved it. By the end of the first day that I wore it, the sleeves had grown, I don't know, like 12 inches and covered my hands completely. <laughs> Um, this was before Erica even had this. Device. Oh yeah, this, this was this was a long time ago. This we was just, before I just started dating. Yeah, this was before I moved back to the U.S. from England. There were, um, there were a lot of comedy garments in Erica's early uh, knitting years. Yeah, because my philosophy of like, yeah, oh, that looks cool. Let me try it. Is uh, that is a basic personality trait of mine that I have always had. Um, but I fixed it by cutting off the ends of the sleeves and putting the live loops back on needles and binding them off. So I just cut off six in, or 12 inches of the sleeve. Five years later. Yeah, I rolled them up for a while. Um, cotton doesn't tend to like stay rolled up. Cotton knit in a worst way doesn't tend to stay rolled up. Anyway, I still wore that sweater until I made... I may still have it, or it you may still got it. it may have gone to the most recent clothing swap that I attended. I don't remember for sure. Um, but I think that's I think that's the end. That's what I wanted to talk about with um, sort of matching patterns to uh, to yarns. We get lots of questions about that. Um, my my true only real rule for you that absolutely always must be true is you have to like the yarn and you have to like the pattern. Um, to, to put them together. Sometimes that's all you need. Um, but if you're going to break the rules, the, the, the sort of three things to think about rules that I gave you, I think you should know why you're breaking them and know that it, that's going to work for you. Okay. Why don't you take us into Where's Nomads, Dave? Okay. So I'm only going to do the Where's Nomad for the end of this month for us being around. Um, and there are not very many left. Um, after that, we'll see how we are going into April. There'll be a couple more podcast episodes before then. So, starting on this Friday, we will be at Bloomington Tailored Fit from 1 till 6. Um, so, this is our normal uh, second Friday stop. We will not be at Bloomington Stitchery this time um, because we kind of used our... Uh, space up there during Rovi, Indiana. So come and see us for an extended stop at Tailored Fit from 1 till 6 p.m. on Friday. Then Saturday. Um, Saturday is the inaugural second Saturday event in Plainfield with Plainfield Creatives. Um, if that goes ahead, which uh, all indications are it will still be going for right now, um, we will be at the Porcelain Art Studio from 10 till 12. Um, and that will be an opportunity for you to come and just chat with us, really. Uh, we will have the truck open for sales, but also we're encouraging you to come and ask me about dyeing. I'll be there uh, for that slot. Um, come and ask me about our dye techniques. Come and chat about fiber arts, and there will be artists all around town um, showing off their works. So go and check them all out. Um, you can find Plainfield Creators on Facebook and a list of all the artists and locations there. Then, moving on into the following week, um, we will be doing one final stop at Timber City Coffee Roasters, um, Thursday, March 19th from 5 till 8. That is normally our knitting group time. I suspect that the knitting group will not be meeting, um, but we'll keep you abreast of that on our social media. Um, but we will be still taking the truck for right now. So 5 till 8 p.m., Timber City Coffee Roasters, Cheese, ice cream, and Joyce Cakery all in the same slot. And uh, the coffee roasters, Timber City, does coffee beans to take away. So that would be a great way to support a local business um, and not have to go into the grocery store. Um, in case you're strange like me and are trying very hard to reduce your use of single-use packaging items, they are actually happy if you bring in your own uh, container to put your coffee beans in your own container. Um, so I have been doing that for a, for a couple of months now. I bring in mason jars um, and they fill them up. You have to catch them for the right hours for that. Though, yeah, so I actually drop, yeah, I roast my, or I drop them off and then pick them up. Um, a couple of days later when the coffee the coffee roaster has actually been roasting and they can put them straight in my in my bins. So 
that is our final stops till the end of the month. Um, we were going to take about a, a week off at the end of the month for me to go to Adapticon. If that's not going on, um, we will be just be taking a little break then anyway um, and do something fun here instead. But in the meantime, watch out on our social media starting today. Um, we will be setting up a bunch of online um, exclusive offers. So we will be putting out the information that we are part of FiberShare this year. You can still use the FiberShare discount until March 21st. Um, so we have the discount code there. We'll be putting that out on our social media today. Then in about two days time, we'll be starting these pattern yarn combos. So we will be uh, giving away some free patterns and then doing some nice discounts on our uh, hand dyes from our online store. Uh, also, if you've been on the truck recently and picked up one of our postcards, there's a discount code on there for our online store. So do go check all those out. We have a lot of cool things coming up. Um, Erica is also working on starting on Tuesdays, um, setting up a virtual crafting community. So if you're stuck at home and don't can't make it to your normal uh, needle crochet club, Come and join us on there, and um, we'll have details coming out on that very soon, too. Yep, I'm going to attend one this evening um, and figure out how this whole thing works, because I'm not naturally a very tech-savvy person. Um, but then we're going to try to set one up, so I'm excited. So yeah, come and vibe, craft with us virtually, check out our online store, and then do come and check us out on the truck for these last few stops. Um, as far as we're aware, there won't be any reason for us right now to cancel any of our yarn truck stops. Because, again, we're not drawing huge crowds of people in from all over the place. Yeah, um, we're only a, a few people locally stopping by, and we will make sure to keep some hand sanitizer and stuff on the truck as well. Yes, and please do, if you are feeling ill, um, skip it for this month. We're happy to, um, to ship to you or um, save it for you until next time. Um, and wash your hands before you get there, and wash your hands when you get home. Okay, so that is that for this time. Um, do go check us out and also all your other local businesses out online um, and stop in while you can before they have to shut up shop for a little while. Um, happy crafting! Yep. Extra crafting time at home. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Ravelry and our website, knowmyjarchop.com. And remember, in crafting and in life, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.